Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, it's Adam Carolla. For those of you who caught my live stream stand-up recently, you know we partnered with Live by Live to make that show available free of charge. And Live by Live has so much more to offer. Remember what MTV used to be when M stood for music? That's what Live by Live is, but it's much better. The all-in-one music app provides live streaming concerts, thousands of streaming radio stations, expertly curated and in every genre of music, podcasts like The Adam Carolla Show, and tons of original music and entertainment content. Our friends at Live by Live offer to give fans of my podcast two months free of Live by Live Plus, which gets you no ads and unlimited audio skips. Just go to LiveXLive.com and search for Adam Carolla or get the Live X Live app. That's LiveXLive.com or download the Live X Live app to start listening to music and watching the very best concerts. Hey everyone, it's Adam Carolla. Welcome to another episode of Going Racing, a show that highlights the fastest cars, best races, and biggest celebrities in the automotive world. All right, back from uh, our biggest weekend of the year. Yeah, right? we love it. Oh, I got wine and cheese coming out of my pores. The wine I expected. The cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we... Uh... That was just like water every day just to try to flush everything out. I know. <laughs> I know. I. Uh, to be I... fair, this was easier when we were six years younger than... At least for me. <laughs> yeah, I got home and I... <laughs> I think I put on almost. I put on about seven pounds. Wow. In, in uh, like four days. You did better than I did. Uh, but I, I did, think I did three. Yeah. I think. Yeah, but adjusted for inflation. <laughs> I think it's about right. <laughs> uh, I uh, yeah, I immediately uh, went on a diet when I got back because you know the problem <laughs> is is you're not going to go out. You're going to drink beers. You're going to have champagne. You're going to do all the stuff Vinny says uh, not to do. And, and you, you graze all day. You that's, graze all that's day. That's what you do. You just graze all day right? on cheese and wine and champagne and chocolate. Right. It's all there. And uh, look, uh, everybody, in terms of uh, life philosophies, uh, you're not there to uh, torture yourself or abstain. What you're there to is indulge. So yeah. take it easy the week going into it. Yeah, and then take it easy when you get back. Yeah, and like all week will be right into with it, the universe. I, you were on the treadmill like twelve hours before going in, or ten hours before going into it. <laughs> You're like, I, we're I, getting ready. I wanted to cut weight like a wrestler. <laughs> uh, so I, I ran the morning that we drove out. Wednesday morning, I was out early, just getting ready. So we had a, a great uh, trip, thanks to uh, Lincoln, who gave us a Navigator Black Label, and uh, that thing's kind of badass. It's nice, and the interior's awesome, and for what we had going in terms of our crew, six-man, traveled out with four, but there were times when we were traveling around with six, Yeah, and the space, and uh, Sonny having a great time and everything, that was just uh, the weapon of choice. Um, we yeah, taken, that worked out perfectly. It was very convenient for what we were doing. <laughs> very we, convenient. The entire trip we were the saying. The third row seat, and, and, and uh, by the way, super convenient because it had... 
storage cubbies and power outlets everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So we went out and uh, we got the Newman car ready and it was the uh, 85 GT1 car that we've talked around in the past. And uh, we didn't really shake the car out per se, but we did put it on the dyno. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things... Casey Millett helped a little bit. He's an ex-racer and an all-around good guy. One of the things, and one of the reasons you do shake it out is the car was sitting up really high in the front. And I said to Sean, uh, get out your special spring perch tools and let's lower this front of this car. And he said, I think it's going to rub. It's going to scrape the body. And I said, let's just lower it and let's go try it. And he said, drive it at the track, see if it rubs. If it doesn't rub, we'll lower it. And then I okay. said, yeah, but it's sitting up really high now. <laughs> Could we lower it a little bit? And he said, Casey says, and I think... Go to the track and drive it. So we went to the track, and we drove it on Thursday, Yeah, and nothing rubbed. And by the way, just because we're nut jobs, he brought, like, a cutting wheel and a reciprocal saw, a reciprocating saw, and, like, we're, we're ready to carve out some, some fiberglass at the track if something was yeah, rubbing. in case it was rubbing, yeah. Good plan. And I went out and ran it on Thursday morning, and I came back in, and I said, nothing rubbed. Now, I want you to drop the front end. And he said, how much? And I said, three-quarter. And he said, how about five-eighths? And I said, no. <laughs> I want three-quarters. And don't give me the passive-aggressive thing that everyone does with me, which is I tell them three-quarters, and they go, no, actually, I said, how about three-quarters? And he said, how about half an inch? And I said, no, three-quarters. And he said, we'll meet you at five-eighths. And I said, Three quarters, and I don't want to come back and find out that you just lowered it five eighths and had some shit where it's like, well, the bump stopped. You know, when it, you know when people <laughs> yeah. do that, where yeah, they yeah. just tell you yeah. whatever they were going to do their thing. They're anyway. going to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, Sean dropped the front end three quarters, and then I went out uh, Friday morning, and nothing rubbed. And Good. then I came back, and I said, drop the front end again. And he said, how much? And I said, three quarters. And he said. Okay. Okay. And he dropped it three quarters. And I went out on Friday and ran it and nothing rubbed. And then I came back again. And I said, <laughs> drop it again. And he said, I think we're out. Like, we're maxed yeah, we're, out. We're, we're out of. We brought out another three eighths or something. And I said, well, then just drop it down and uh, max it out. Yeah. And so we did. It didn't uh, rub. Nothing ever rubbed. Now, it's painful knowing everything all the time. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> because. You end up, you're standing there with Sean, who's better than you are, and Casey Millette, who knows more about this than anybody, and they're telling you this is not going to work, and all I got is, uh, you know, comedian, podcaster, musses around with the cars here and again, but all I got is, I don't like this front end, I want it lower. Yeah. That's that's about all I got. (laughs) I don't have a lot. If if you and Casey, if Sean and Casey Millette are saying it's going to rub, I don't have a lot to fire back with. Other than I don't think it will. Like Casey came in and had a lot of input on on gear ratios and and uh, spring rates and you know and ride height and everything right. else. So we, we kind of went with what he was saying. And, but what's know. the moral of the story? I'd like to think that the moral of the story is is we can fix anything at the track now. But I'm going to go with you were right. <laughs> I think the moral of the story <laughs> is let's drop it down half an inch while we're at the shop 
go out there and see if it rubs. On the other hand, if it starts rubbing, you got to come in immediately and you're kind of out of a practice session. So I get their argument. And the way we did it was fine, except for poor Sean had to keep lifting the front of the car up and yeah. redoing it. Um, but he was prepped. He had all of his tools. He had all of his gear. He he got all that stuff quickly. Yeah. Sean uh, and Rob did a good job. We had my had my shift light idea. Yeah. So you posted it on Twitter. We posted the video on social media and on Twitter or YouTube or something. And then just a ton of questions. What's going on with that light? Right. All those cars had a shift light. Like you'd see on a, I don't know, drag car from the 80s or something. Those yeah. just barrels yeah. that are, they're five, six inches deep. They're an inch, inch and a quarter around. And they just bolt them up on the, on the uh, cage, sort of eye level. And they're real bright. And they let you know when to shift. I hear the car. I can feel the car pulling and then not pulling, and I can see the tack. And I've never really relied on the shift light. Plus, the shift light in that car's evidently not dialed in, which is why you um, why you would want to go out and shake out a car. I guess. Yeah. Um, I had this idea the night before we left. I thought, hmm. I never know quite what gear I'm in with that car because the gear pattern is the opposite of the normal H pattern that, like, the Porsche has, which is very easy and familiar and everything. And also that gear shift just sort of flops around a lot. Like, it's very floppy. Right. It's just on a linkage on, like, like heim joints, like rod ends or something. And picture, picture driving. Anybody who's driving a stick as you're listening to this, you've got first gear. You shift down to second up to third, down to fourth. That's pretty much how every car is done. This doesn't have that. Where first gear is normally in your street car, that's reverse. Right. And then down, where normally you'd have second gear, that's first gear in this car. So you start with the lever down, and then you shift up to second, and then down to third. Right. Right? So it's, it's, very a, it's a weird pattern. counterintuitive, and unless you really drive a lot with that pattern it's it just doesn't come naturally yeah especially when the last car you drove in the porsche 935 had the opposite pattern yeah plus there's always just that feeling of like dropping it down into second you know yeah and uh it's just what i'm used to i've been you know i started driving a stick when i was 16 and got my first automatic when i was like 33 you know there's a lot of years of muscle memory i mean yeah Three quarters of it was done in a Nissan pickup truck, but it's still first gear, drop it down yeah, in the second, second, you know? Gear. Yeah. So I know my muscle memory, and I know I'm going to screw up. So I was running on the treadmill the night before we left, and I yeah. thought, how do I figure out what gear I'm in? And then I thought, a gear selector. Yeah, an indicator. Well, I was picturing like, Digital readout, first gear, yeah, yeah. second gear, third gear, which uh, one day I will do. But I thought, nah, I don't have time for that. I've looked into it a little bit. It's mo- mostly applications for you. Know, do you know what it's mostly the application for the like digital gear selection thing is? No. Motorcycles. 
Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, because a motorcycle is like one down, five up, or yeah. four up, or yeah. whatever. And in a car, you got the six shift drop down. You know, you're in second gear. You know, it's like a motorcycle. Sometimes it's hard to tell where you're kicked up into neutral. Right. You kick it into neutral, like in between, and then you kick it down, and then you kick it up. Sometimes you skip a gear, or sometimes you just kick right. it back yeah, to yeah. neutral. Like that's where you want that digital indicator. Yeah, right? that makes sense. Uh, but they don't really have an automotive thing. No, we can make something yeah, like that Yeah, we can work. adapt something. Yeah. So the I, aftermarket is a beautiful industry when it comes to that kind of stuff. I was like, well, nothing exists. And let's not get greedy. You don't need to know when you're in fifth gear. You know, when, I know when I'm in fifth gear. It's only fifth gear down the straightaway, and I've just shifted up and in. And, and by the way, if you are going 120 miles an hour and you didn't, catch fifth gear you'll know it yeah the car will let you know (laughs) so uh i didn't need to know i was in fifth and as far as first goes i'm not getting down into first on that track just to get out there right i didn't need to know about that either uh but i did need to know where i was and so i decided that i want to know when i'm in third gear and I said, Sean, let's get a little light. I just called him that night. I was like, Sean, I want to know when I'm in third gear. And he's like, Ugh. And I'm like, look. <laughs> he wheels up in six hours. <laughs> all we need is a little push indicator, like the kind of button that doesn't click in and click off. But yeah, it's like, just, well, like when you open the door of your car or close the hood on your car, it's got like yeah. a little button. It's like, like a doorbell. Hold yeah. it down, it's on. Remove your finger, it's yeah, off. Yeah, you yeah. know, that's, that's what we need. We just need that. We'll put it under the shift boot. And when that shifter comes back and hold in third, only in third, <laughs> it, will, it, will, it will light up a light. So Sean said, we'll do. And then he proceeded to hook up a light. But the light that he mounted was way off to the right of the console. I mean, the console with all the toggle switches and everything on it. And the the track is basically one big left-hand turn. (laughs) Yeah. You're just kind of looking up and to the left. And he has a little expulled like Christmas tree light bulb. Just sitting there, just a little white bulb, not a red bulb, not anything bulb, just just there. And I looked at it and I said, uh, I don't, I don't think that's that effective because I'm looking to the left and this thing's to the right, and it's daylight outside and it's a little white bulb with no shroud around it or anything. And right, and while okay. it does light up and it, like it technically serves what we've been yeah. asking it to do. If that thing was right in the middle of the dash, right. no problemo. Off, off and to the right, it's not yeah. really going to work. Right. But we figured out how to do it and made a light work. Oh, uh, I was waiting for a switch at that point. Yeah. That's when I, I don't like to throw the word hero around, but that's where <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to O'Reilly Auto yeah. Parts. And I went there. <laughs> And I got a little starter switch, like the buttons they use on a hot rod, you know, na 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 bop, Yeah, momentary switch. Yeah, a little momentary switch, metal, heavy duty, whatever. Yeah. They were looking for some funky actuator or something that they didn't have or whatever. And I just came back with that. And I came back with a little red light to put in the dash. And I said, put that in the dash, daisy chain it to that one you got over there. And here's your switch. Go. And then uh, I had a beer, climbed into a Lincoln Navigator, and left. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I got to the track and I went out on Thursday for practice, 
it struck me that the little white bulb all the way to the right was lighting up pretty good, but it was really far to the right. Mm-hmm. The little red one I'd put in the dash was like dim and my hand was blocking it with the steering wheel, whatever, and I couldn't see it. Couldn't see it. What unfortunately was driving me nuts was the shift light, which had not been calibrated or anything, was just like every time I got over like 4,000 RPM was just blinking, like, <laughs> like, so I would have a seizure. It was just like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, would you please stop it? And now, not only am I sort of distracted that I can't find my third gear shift, my third gear light. Yeah. But I have a big red bright light with a shroud around it just strobing in my face. Right. On the left side, as I'm going around the left-handed track, just blinking my face, basically saying, look, I don't know what light you're looking for, but over here, (laughs) over here, over here, over here. And it was just blinking all the time. And I was just... Getting distracted and exacerbated, like, oh, great, I got a light, and it's going off in my face, and it's not my third gear light, and I'm now fully focused on this strobe light up here. So I got back in after practice session on on uh, Thursday, and I said, hey, Sean, I got an idea. This light up here, we're not really using it to shift. It's not calibrated. It's It's popping off at, like... I don't know, Max Zapata, mm-hmm. if you find over-the-shoulder, I think if you find your over-the-shoulder shot from Thursday morning session, you'll probably just see that light just sort of blinking randomly all sort of through the RPM range. And I got back in to Sean, and I said, lower the front end. <laughs> and Three quarters. Furthermore, mm-hmm. see this light? Yep. It's not really calibrated. So take the wire that goes to the one that's in the dash that I can't see and hook it to this light. Yeah. And he said, will do. Yeah. And he did. And it worked. Like, now, it occasionally, the gear shift's flopping around all over the place, and it's not a hard science, and we didn't have much time to rig it up. It And, and I got it. It didn't stay on all the time, but it lets you know, blink. Hey, you're in third. Yeah. I could concentrate long enough to know that. When it went out, I wasn't like, oh, what gear am I in now? I was like, I'm still in Yeah, you're still in third because you didn't shift. You didn't do anything. Right. So you turned the shift light into a gear indicator light, just a third gear indicator light, and it looked like it was effective. Like it it got you where you wanted to be. Like now you had a, an idea of did it help overall? Do you think it helped? Oh, definitely. It, def- it definitely helped. Help because it gave me this that jumping off point of I am in third gear and and it it sounds a little feeble minded to to admit this but it, it's just I I'm so used to the opposite pattern yeah it, it's just it's it's one less thing to even deal with it's just that light's red and you're going into fourth or you're dropping it down into second that's that's yeah. it so it was uh, it was helpful uh, race day. Now Mexipata has to find uh, the race day uh, over the shoulder. You can just keep it on the over the shoulder. I told uh, Nate, Big Nate, over at the other shop to just send you uh, Saturday afternoon race day. I know. It's funny, Chris, because I told him send it to me, and he never sent it to me. And like I said, send it to you. But I got nothing from him. Hit um, him. But I, do, I have an over the shoulder 
video anything particular? Uh you can just go uh you you can go uh Saturday afternoon session just starting starting from it. And uh I had the guy dive bomb me in the uh in the Sunoco. Oh man. Al. And uh he it was really dive bomby. And actually the dive bomby from the helmet cam looks pretty good, but actually from over the shoulder you can really see the crazy dive bomb. We'll, we'll we we had a good discussion about that as well on Carcast on Wednesday. This past Wednesday we, yes. we, you can hear our live show with Pete Brock and John Morton. Uh, so go back and listen to that if you didn't hear that episode. That was fun with those guys. And, uh, yeah, there was a discussion about the Sunoco Porsche. <laughs> I just, you know, it was a move that was uncalled for that early in the race, for sure. <laughs> right. uh, we'd not it's kind completed. of all uncalled for in any one of these very expensive vintage races that everybody's out there in their expensive cars on their own dime. Agreed. So the car, I shut the car down by mistake. And... um were then I got I started 29th instead of what it would have been like 17th or something 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 like that uh, I'm gonna get down into first gear and uh, yeah you, you gotta jump ahead quite a bit there Max you can jump ahead again um, there you go uh, I'm starting this race in first gear. The reason I'm starting this race in first gear, you guys hear me go down in first gear, is because I'm toward the back, and I know we're going to be racing when we go around the corner. I'm not looking for the green flag. It's on. When I turn around the first corner, we're racing. No green flag. Green flag already dropped. Yeah, 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 I got you. So that's a first gear start. cylinder went out and so there's no clutch he's pulling up next to me and now there's this sort of tricky dance of going inside and and sort of hoping that everyone knows where you are yeah there's dave again and there's my red shift light on that lets you know i'm in third gear clutch, but there's no real slipping of the clutch, and it's going to start to get harsh 
as you do it. It's not impossible, uh, and the transmission can take it, but certainly not something you expect or planned on doing. Also, a lot of things are running through my head. Like, am I am I doing damage to my to my car, or my transmission, or, or whatever it is, or what what is wrong? Like, what's going to happen? Well, I'm not sure why I have no why I have no clutch pedal. I just know that the clutch is not working yeah. very well, and I'm in the middle of this race that I'm feeling at this point pretty good about in the sense that I passed a couple of cars I, I feel comfortable in the car and I'm, I'm, I see a couple cars ahead of me that I passed before in practice or what have you so I feel like alright I'm going to get a couple of these guys like this purple yeah, Porsche and and there's a few other you know not there's a uh there's a BMW 3.5 CSLs and stuff uh, ahead of me, and I'm looking at the cars ahead of me, and I'm going, I think I can get up to these guys, but also I'm losing all feeling in my clutch. The clutch is starting to flop around at, uh, at yeah, this Yeah, the pedal now point. has got no feedback at all. Right, but I'm also, again, looking at cars I think I can catch up to. To bring the sound down a little, I'll tell you about JB Well, and I'll let uh, you guys can see the whole thing over it. Car, keep it rolling though, because you're gonna see something, see something pretty funny with me in the nine fourteen six. Which at a certain point, I had no clutch, and I caught him at the end of the straightaway, and he wasn't really backing off, and I was like, "All right, I'm going for it." But that car is fast. Oh, it's great. And yeah, like you said, you can see this video at CarCastShow.com. car gets a little light coming over that hill. <laughs> you All should right. lower the front. Now we're, I don't know, what, four laps into the race? Yeah. It's good. It's fast. And I'm trying to catch up to these guys in these CSLs, which are good, proven race cars. And I'm like, all right, there's a couple of CSLs and a 914.6. And it, it looks like the 914.6 is holding them up a, a little bit. You can kind of tell when one car is holding up another car a little bit. Now it's getting a little And I see, I see your left leg moving, trying to get that clutch, just in case there's anything in it. I'm but really, trying. But really, it's just, you're just going through the motions and just banging it into gear because the clutch isn't I'm really doing anything. I'm also seeing if I can pump a little pressure into it, you know. Yeah. So. Well, when you came in, there, it wasn't leaking that much, I don't remember, because it pretty much leaked it out on the track. <laughs> I leave all my lubricants and hydraulic fluids and bodily fluids on the track. So I realize I'm sort of catching the guy in this cool Jägermeister 3.5 CSL. It's badass. So here's that, that 914. Right. Who ended up... I don't know. we got to look, Max Zapata. What That 914, I think it was number 59, we'll find out. Where did he finish in this race? Because if my car had held together, I probably would have finished a spot or, or or two maybe in front of him. But that's if the car had held together, which it didn't. So, And, and also my feeling is is I had three good full sessions and a, a good race here. And like I'd, I'd done enough. 
I, I had no clutch. I didn't want to hurt the car. I wasn't sure what was going. You're not sure what's going on with the car. You just know yeah. that you the clutch doesn't work. Yeah. I, you don't know what's. It's easy to talk it. about it now and say the clutch and you know throw out bearing slave cylinder deal that's going on. But as you're in there, I don't it's know if happening. the transmission is going to blow up down the middle of the straightaway <laughs> yeah. and lock up the rear tires or not. Yeah. You know. And then you're that guy. Right. And Which then 14. Here's me going for it. 914 Porsche 58. Number 58. I'm like going inside. I'm like, oh, I'm stealing him off. And then a little lock up here. Oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not going anywhere, which I I do like that about these guys. Yeah. They're like, no, I'm not letting you by. And he was not, not letting me by at all, which is, compl- look. Oh, oh, he finished nineteenth. Yeah. I almost hit him. That is uh, that is the opposite of dive bombing. Look, yeah. look, what I'm saying is, is I don't like dive bombing, but being aggressive, staying on your line, and not letting the person by, that's uh, that's your own thing. All right. So the guy I passed finished nineteenth, and then the yellow flag came out at some point. Maybe I would have caught a, 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 another car. Or, well, you passed or two. them, and uh, and seemed to pull away. Yeah, and I would have liked the thought that there's a couple more cars that maybe I would have reeled in. So my my plan, if I would have, if I would have, well, now the clutch is really gone at this point. Uh, my plan would have worked well of starting 25th in the race before and qualifying up and then getting somewhere in the top 15, but yeah. it was not. It was not meant to be when the yellow flags came out. At a certain point, I just pulled off the track. And in my mind, I had a good uh, a good run. I was, I'm, I'm the car gathering, sounded great. I'm gathering these guys up in front of me. Um, and maybe I would have finished 15th. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think you absolutely would have. You're definitely us. Uh, oh, there's a whole, there's a whole, one by one. there's a whole batch of cars, whole three or four, five cars up there that I probably these BMWs could have could yeah. have gathered in. Uh, we're just watching, going around the stupid <laughs> track. <laughs> Worst podcast it's, it, ever. It's kind of mesmerizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, guys. Uh, you got to go back and watch the video. Or thanks to Chris Maxapata for, uh, by the way, putting all the GoPros in the car and making it making it work. Yeah, yeah I think there's about five cars in front of me. I mean, I definitely would get up to them and and then have a fun race with those guys, right? Yeah. Like, now you're getting back into the group, and, you know, you have to get... You get around this BMW, and then now you're sandwiched in between two, and it sort of becomes a nice little battle. Yeah, I think we're we're yellowed. I think we're yellowed right now. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we're yellowed. All right, we can stop the tape. So then we have the yellow... Now I got the clutch pedal flopping in the in the wind, and we're under full course yellow. And now we're just doing these like the pace cars back out on the track. And yeah. I'm like, eh. if 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 there was no yellow, and I just caught up to that group of five cars, I would have been like, oh, it's on. But yeah. now that the full course yellow in the pace car gives you a little chance to collect your adrenaline and kind of breathe a little bit and go, all right, there's no pedal. The cars in one piece. There are these five guys in front of me, but I don't have a clutch yeah. and I'm not, uh, 
I'm not good to rev match and, and do it. I'm not sure what's wrong with the car. And it's Saturday and it's 4.30 in the afternoon and uh, maybe time just to pull in and have a cold one. And then not a bad first outing yeah. with that car, yes? Yeah, I, I thought the car uh, was running great all weekend. The engine was seemed to be pretty dialed in. It sounded good. It was fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we did our thing. We brought Sonny. We went to the parties. We saw Jewel at the singing and the doing stand-up at the Acura party. <laughs> yeah. Sonny, now there's She did a, 22 minutes of comedy in three songs. <laughs> there's a controversial picture going around the internet, which is uh, Sonny uh, looking at his phone while Daddy's coming around in his race car. But the reality is that Sonny was taking lap times. That's a stopwatch on Yeah, I, uh, I brightened up his screen in this photo so you can see oh, what he was yeah, looking at. Yeah. It's, the actual, it's the stopwatch on the phone. Yeah, so, uh, Sonny likes getting lap times. Yeah, so put it, put it out there to the world, Max Zapata. And we'll edit together a good lap. And if and there's put any that controversy, it's on Sonny's reaction time on hitting that lap button. We saw uh, one of the cars that was up for sale was that Porsche 959 in a trailer, and then the trailer like got unhitched and hit a tree. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know I don't know. It was like a Meekum car. I, mean, I think it was a Meekum yeah. car. I wonder what that. Uh, I, you... It was going up for like a half a million bucks because it was wrecked. I think and... they had like I think it was more like three fifty to four fifty or something. Yeah. It's... Might probably worth buying it. Richard point. Rollins should have bought it. Yeah, Richard Rollins should have put an air ride on it. Flat black. <laughs> put some airbags on it. Would have been perfect for him. But yeah, uh, we didn't look up. So there's a 959. Yeah, Porsche. Mm, let me see. Which traditionally, yeah, have the, uh, goes for about a million dollars. They're the right at a million bucks. Would that be yeah. safe? Yeah, yeah. nine fifty to a million fifty or whatever. They're right at a million bucks, right? Yeah. So this one looked like somebody hit one of those cement parking posts hard on the passenger side front, and I was looking at it going, all right, well, you fix the car, a couple hundred grand, to fix the car. They're going to want. They're probably going to ask seven fifty or eight for it or whatever. But they're asking like. Three fifty to four fifty or something, or maybe four to five. It seemed lower than than what it would cost to fix it. But then I realized I don't know what the stigma is of the car that was hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't make it a million bucks just because you put it back together because people know it was the one that got hit. But uh, it was in the back of a trailer, I guess, that came unhitched, and. Uh, what was the estimate on it, Max? Oh, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, S, the winning bid was expected to be between four fifty and five fifty thousand. Oh, okay. Do you know there what you day go. it went up? It was at Meekum, right? It was like Meekum. yeah, it was Meekum. Don't know what day, uh, but it did go for four twenty five. Four twenty five. Oh, it did. Well, you know, in my world, uh, I think you're two hundred and fifty grand away from having a million dollar car, so not. Not too shabby, but you know who knows when you're ordering parts for nine five nine from Stuttgart. I, I I was saying before, like you pick up one of those things, and if you're if you ever had visions in your head of getting one of those, you know, one and a half million dollar or one point eight million dollar Kenepa modified nine five nines, you know, he does his little thing. We saw mm-hmm. it at, at Lufka Cult, right. sort of his I don't know his modified singer ish version right. of a nine five nine. If you're gonna have one of those made, start why not start, start with the wrecked one and uh, for yeah. half the cost? Yeah, so uh, the, a 959 at RM in Arizona sold for 1.16 earlier this year. So yeah. 
Yeah, and this one, I mean, the engine's in the back, so it, it still runs. <laughs> Hold on, let me write that down. <laughs> Wait, where's the yeah, engine? um, <laughs> engine's in the back. The, uh, <laughs> the, at, at 425, well bought. Yeah, you've, I think You've so. got a lot of room before you get to a million dollars to fix that car up. Yeah, but, except, is that a carbon body? A carbon Kevlar body? It's not that. It's the stigma. Yeah. It's when you go to sell it, if people go, oh, is this the one that fell out of the trailer? Yeah. Because that's damaged goods. Um, all right. But you definitely want Geico if you're going to be pulling around. That's what I, I don't know. When I read the insurance ad, I think of that car for that's, some reason. That's what we're saying. <laughs> all right. Go to uh, carshow.com. Carcastshow.com. Say it again, Max Batten. Carcastshow.com for photos and videos of our uh, Monterey Car Week trip. Yeah, it's all there. Car, Chris did a great job. Sean and Rob did a great job. Matt did a great job. Everyone did a great job, right? Oh, yeah. We want to. Also, thank everyone at Nissan for inviting us out there and putting on such a great event and giving us a nice little place to to park our car right next to Steve Millen, uh, Pete Brock, and John Morton for being on a show. Check that out from last Wednesday. Um, Gordon McCall, great quail event, great Jet Center event, Lincoln's Navigator, and uh, and of course Acura for a for a sweet little party and introducing us to Jewel. Yeah, my, <laughs> my future ex-wife. <laughs> All right. Tune in next week for another episode of Going Racing. New episodes every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.